And hello, everyone. My name is Keith Williams. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And I am here in Camp Hill, which is a small town here in Talladega County, which is right in the middle between Auburn and Alexander okay. City. Well, we're going to start over. Did you say Talladega County? It's a Talladega County. Yeah, yeah, that's why I said Talladega County. We're in Talapusa County. Oh, Tallapoosa County. <laughs> yeah, we really are. Uh, I thought this was Talladega County. Nope, Tallapoosa County. Okay, I'm so sorry. So that's where everybody's going. They're going to Talladega County. <laughs> I'm sorry, this what is Tallapoosa. <laughs> this is uh, Tallapoosa County. I apologize. <laughs> it's an easy mistake. Uh, yeah, no problem. Okay, and uh, it's right in the middle between... Opelika, Auburn, and Alexander City, and which is off of 280, uh, US Highway 280, that is. And we are here at the uh, Disaster Recovery Center here. And, and we're going to give you a quick tour of what's going on here. This fine young gentleman here has been here since day one. His name is Warren Tidwell. Uh, how are you doing today? Doing all right. How uh, you kind of tell us what's going on here and and give us a tour of the Disaster Recovery Center. Sure. Uh, you're currently standing in the communications room where you've been diligently working and volunteering uh, all week. Okay, so this is communication room. This is where I've been at, uh, hard at work here. I've uh, been here for about eight days now. Yeah, and so in here, it's kind of backwards, but we'll go the backwards way. This is essentially the uh, war room where all of the uh, maps are mapped here. If I get over here and see if I can just try to Okay. Let's fire this up real quick. This is where when you crisis clean up, map all of the needs in Campville, Alabama. And if you look here, there's a bunch of them. And we just gonna zoom in on here. Yeah. Okay, so can you kind of explain what this is? Well, this right here above the, as soon as all of this goes away, there we go. Um, this is a map of incidents uh, request. Uh, requires cleanup in this town of 1,000 people um, from people needing tarps, needing their homes cleaned out, needing mold mitigation, um, all kinds of stuff. And so essentially when this comes in, we're able to print a, a work order, which is like this here. And uh, people take those, they take them out, they go and they take care of what needs to be done, the volunteers or the, uh, the skilled laborers. They come back, give it to us, and then we're able to change the map. Or if they've got the crisis cleanup app, they scan the QR code on the work order and it automatically adapts or adjusts the map. There's currently eight organizations that have access to this. We are running it through our center here. Um, but uh, it, there's a couple of workstations here that are currently empty because we are at the end of our day uh, where the volunteer fire department of Campville, Alabama, talk about working diligently. Uh, they've done a water rescue uh, this week. They have tarped uh, over 100 roofs. Uh, we still need probably 200 roofs tarped. And everything you saw on that map, uh, in this town, 90% of the cars were likely totaled. We don't have a grocery <laughs> store. We don't have a laundromat. We don't have a pharmacy. Like every other Southern town, uh, we do have a Dollar General, but it is across a major highway 
that is difficult to cross. Uh, this town has a number of um, elderly folks, a number of uh, developmentally disabled uh, uh, folks on dialysis, uh, you know, uh, cancer patients. Uh, there's a lot of at-risk and vulnerable people here. So this disaster has been uh, distinctly devastating for this community. We have probably 400 uh, who, um, well, a number more are food insecure, but we probably have 400 that can't get out to uh, stores or to get anywhere that they need to go. Um, but this is where everything that comes in here, our other room, and we we can go in there and we can work through the 14,800 shelf-stable meals that were brought in by the Red Cross yesterday to be distributed. Um, volunteers are signed in there and then they come in here. Uh, this would not have been possible without the volunteer fire department of Camp Hill, who, when I arrived, had a grand total of $32 in the bank after doing all of those other things. So if, if there's anyone who wants to support anything right now, uh, they need support because they're using their vehicles to run and pick up food uh, for people, big trucks, big trailers, and things like that. Uh, so that's essentially the long short of what we've got going on in here. Also, notice this, also the, uh, this map over here, can you kind of explain this map? Uh, this was the original, the, the map that we did the EMA assessments on, and we basically worked our way all the way in and inward, and we did about 420 site assessments, uh, and that's when I discovered that the scope and scale of this disaster is, is uh, as much as a tornado. Uh, I don't say this lightly. We would have been better off almost if we'd have gotten a tornado because we don't have a disaster declaration. We have homes with ceilings falling in on inside from the sail storm. Uh, as I said, with the vehicles, they're all destroyed. Um, this is a, a true climate disaster, climate catastrophe, and it has affected this town in a, in a devastating way. And I see that we got someone else in here. Would you like to uh, introduce yourself? <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm Dion Meadows. I'm a uh, a junior at Auburn University, majoring in political science and minoring in sustainability. And I'm here to uh, assist Warren as the assistant. Community Resilience Coordinator. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. We've um, got a community resilience team. We just need volunteers. So right now I'm just in the process of like taking everything in, trying to figure out you know, where I fit in. Yeah. Uh, and we certainly uh, thank you for being here and uh, volunteering, doing what you do. Appreciate you. All right, let's uh, continue our tour here. We're gonna walk through here, back to where, as I said, we're kind of going backwards, but we're gonna go where the volunteers are. These are all the shelf stable meals that will be distributed uh, tomorrow. And uh, we've already had uh, the Army Red Cross serve about, 4,500 meals, hot meals this week. We had the Woodstock Baptist Church uh, from Brookwood, Alabama, uh, or at least from Tuscaloosa County, come over and cook 400 meals for folks. And uh, we've had uh, uh, hundreds of sheets of plywood, screws for the broken windows brought in. We've had hundreds of buckets. Uh, we've managed to distribute the buckets. Sadly, we're putting Band-Aids on these uh, houses now because of the, um, the tarps. And that's only gonna be a temporary thing. We're already starting to see some of them tear. Um, but regardless, volunteers coming here, we're signing up for the uh, volunteer hours. Um, this is the current uh, thing that we're giving out, the Crisis Cleanup. It's a really amazing app that's helping us 
do some uh, good work. We've got a, an, a great plan in place. We've got a great procedure in place. Um, we've had one news article uh, from a, a newspaper from a local metro that uh, it's about 100,000 folks, not a little more. And we've had one volunteer in this little town that is 15 minutes. Oh, I'm not sure what to make of that yet. Uh, but at this point in time, um, we are two weeks into this. And uh, this is we're, we're self-sustaining at this point with the support of big organizations. Uh, we have had uh, less than 20 volunteers, excuse me, fewer than 20 volunteers uh, come in and help us at this point. And we need, we need a couple hundred just to get on top of it. Okay. Uh, let's see. And I see that uh, you got some water here. Will you be needing bottled water? No. Okay. We, we will not. We can handle the, the, the water. And I say that because, unfortunately, I've worked a lot of disasters and a lot of water comes in. It's left in parking lots. It's actually, it actually goes to waste. The biggest thing that we need right now is there are organizations or, or churches that can, you know, make, uh, you know, 400 meals, sandwiches, hot dogs or whatever for lunches and dinners. Uh, for now, um, we're trying to work out a transportation uh, system to get folks out uh, and get to where they need to go. You know, we have folks uh, who have uh, children who have doctor's appointments in Birmingham, which is an hour and 45 minutes away from here. Uh, so that there's a this is a multifaceted thing at this point, and we're just trying to get our hands on it. Number one need volunteers to go out and do needs assessments, take these work orders we've got. Ensure that uh, these are still accurate because some of them are days old and help us, uh, you know, figure out which one of the, the homes, how many of them need to be prioritized. In this. Okay, what else we got here? Well, uh, I was going to say, thankfully, our food pantry folks have their, their stuff in here, but we can walk outside if you want. Okay, so kind of give you a quick, this is, uh, this is the food pantry here. It's a little bare right now outside uh -oh. of the boxes we have. Okay. All right. But uh, CJ Marbet uh, handles the food pantry, does a wonderful job. However, CJ had all of their vehicles uh, destroyed in this and had their house uh, severely damaged. The issue with this disaster is the local folks I work with couldn't do anything because they didn't have transportation. Some of them have local businesses that they run from here and they ship out of the uh, post office. The post office uh, roof was collapsed. So they didn't have a way to get their products to the post office. And even if they did, the post office just collapsed. So we've been having to, you know, support CJ in any way that we can. CJ's done a, a wonderful job. Uh, but the, the thing that gets me is we walk out here. We're in the middle of a, a major disaster that is like a slow-moving hurricane through some of these uh, homes. And as you walk out here, you wouldn't know it. It's an invisible disaster. Um, we have public housing right over there where we had 50 cars totaled and many of them on the other side of the fence, the other side of the trees over there. Many of them, um, they're, uh, they're still sitting there. And so these folks had liability insurance. Uh, we, we have to come up with a program. We need nonprofits to come in and help us figure out a way to get windows in these cars. Um, so as it stands right now, we're at a tipping point. Uh, it could go one way or the other. and. Uh, Unless we get volunteers in, in here to help us do these assessments, we get skilled volunteers uh, to do tarps so that we can put band-aids on this house, these houses. Uh, this town's in trouble. All right. Uh, there's also another building here that you want to tell me about. 
Oh, the Universalist Church? Yeah. I believe this is the second oldest Universalist Church in the southeastern United States. It has beautiful uh, stained glass. And thankfully, the only four panes that were exposed there were the only ones damaged. Uh, we currently have, uh, you know, water coming in the roof over there. And we've, but we've been so focused on people to town. Like that is, we want to save the building. We'll make sure it's okay. We want to get everything fixed up on there. But, but we, we got to take care of the folks in the town now. The facility where we are standing, you want to walk out here to get a, a bigger view of it. Uh, this was the First Baptist Church of Camp Hill, and the town of Camp Hill bought it. It's a municipal complex, uh, converted into a municipal complex. They spent $77,000 of their ARPA money, unlike the state of Alabama, spent it uh, you know, on the people and uh, ethically and correctly. Uh, but then the fellowship hall was converted into the town hall. They added in the drive-through, and the that is they spent thirty thousand, so a hundred thousand for all of this. We're operating out of um, the old town hall didn't even have grounded plugs. So this, thank goodness, we've got this space. Twenty-two-year-old uh, mayor of this town, Messiah Williams. Thankfully, uh, Messiah site to to purchase this because. If we didn't have this to operate out of, uh, there's not a lot of places like this to operate in in the town. Uh, there's also a building behind here, mm -hmm. be behind Town Hall, actually. Yeah. Want to tell a little bit about that? That was the original parsonage. It's about a hundred year old building to the Universalist Church. Uh, we are turning it into a uh, community center. We're going to run a nonprofit out of it to oversee the long term recovery. What we're doing in this town right now, no small town in Alabama like this has ever done. We actually have our, our logistics set up to do the response. We're gonna get through the initial uh, response. We're gonna do case management for the individuals who are affected, connect them with nonprofits and churches and others to help them. And so we had already gotten the electrical, we'd already gotten the plumbing and everything done. And, uh, and so we got some windows to fix now. We gotta finish our remodel in the kitchen. And, but that's what it's gonna run out of. It's got a great big front porch. I'm a big advocate for building more front porches. Uh, front porch organizing is where it's, where it's at. Thankfully, we've got this centrally located here. Uh, right now, we're using it for storage for some of the donations. Uh, outside of, of Red Cross and Salvation Army, um, this town uh, has had little to no help. And uh, we're going on two weeks now. Uh, they've taken punch after punch, and they're still standing. We were on the brink before this even started. Uh, this town was on its knees. And it's going to take everybody pulling together. I don't know that the, the townspeople even understand what's at stake here. We're trying to get the word out. When you're in survival mode, it's hard to care about what's going on outside of your front door. Uh, this town has been in survival mode for so long uh, that they you know, feel like this is just something else to survive. It's how it works. And so if we don't get some of these roofs secured, stop these water leaks, they're going to be uninhabitable in, in three or four weeks. Uh, we're going to have mold in, in three quarters of the town. Um, this is a true disaster. It is a true climate disaster. I've never dealt with in 25 years of doing disaster recovery. I've never dealt with anything like this. And I'm hopeful that we can get the word out and we can get people in here because we need, we need the effort of people as if an EF3 tornado went right through the middle of this town. Because right now, it's like a tornado hit, but all it did was damage on the inside of the homes. Oh, how do you feel about all of this being going on and the work that has already been done? I'm incredibly proud of the folks in this town who, who have stepped up. The volunteer fire department who runs on 
a shoestring budget and it's a frayed shoestring. Um, you know, these folks, uh, we're not that far from fair, a fairly wealthy me uh, metro um, that has a lot of resources. Uh, I'm disappointed I haven't seen more out of the Auburn Opelika area I, because I know them to be good folks. They have stepped up in the past and helped me. Right now, um, I'm chalking that up to the fact that there hasn't been much media coverage. This has flown under the radar between the Mississippi tornadoes. Who, they need all the help they can get. And the tornadoes east of here, just over the border in Georgia, who also needs all the help they can get. But the sad fact of the matter is that uh, we have had probably five volunteers to go out in this community and everybody in this community is still you know, cleaning out their house or if they can't, they're just existing in it. And uh, what scares the thought, the thought that keeps me up at night is, is, you know, what would have happened if we didn't even have this effort that we've started going? Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a lot of ways about it. Uh, this town is 90% African-American. Uh, I think we're staring systemic racism right in the face. Uh, I can't imagine, I feel very much like I did when I was watching the scenes out of New Orleans. Uh, I'm feeling very much uh, like that this shouldn't be happening, but uh, there are reasons why it's happening the way that it is. Yeah, um, I'm none very of them are familiar good. with that. Uh, when Hurricane Katrina hit the New Orleans area, uh, there's been reports of a lot of African-Americans that was displaced in New Orleans. They end up going uh, somewhere else. And then once they was gone, that's when they decided to rebuild. And it's uh, devastating. Really wish we could like give an example of some of the uh, the extent of some of the damage. Like this house over here, right across. She right can only uh, Miss Rosie's eighty-five years old. She can only live in like one room in the house right now. Uh, mold is already forming in the kitchen and in the living room. Uh, I mean, it's Miss Rosie and her walker. She's disabled. Um, and as of right now, doesn't have any sort of uh, help or support outside of what we've been trying to do. Uh, she's tough as a pine knot, uh, and she is a brilliant individual, and she is resilient. If this town can be half as resilient as Miss Rosie's been, we're going to get through this. So this this is one of the main roads uh, that goes uh, through town here that is connected to Highway 280. So right here, so this is, uh, if we can this just get highway, it. Highway 50, uh, a lot of the traffic through Atlanta, some of the wealthy homes on the lake. We also have a number of, of, of multi-million dollar homes just 20 minutes away on the lake. Hmm. This is one of the, the cars for the town. Uh, there were clipboards laying in the back of this and it not only busted the glass, but busted the clipboards. And now this is actually, not that bad compared to a lot of the damage I've seen. I've seen them take the go through the speakers, knock the speakers into the trunk, into some of these. I've seen sunroof controls hanging from the back. Now, I mean, it's not even just that. If you look here at the taillights, so this isn't just the glass. It took out the glass. It takes out the taillights. Um, you can see here about how big some of them were. This is some of the smaller hail in town. Uh, as it moved from here, it was mostly softball-sized hail, uh, some grapefruit-sized hail. And, uh, you know, this is uh, it's pretty, pretty extensive damage, but most of the other ones we're seeing, the, the glass is shattered out. So this is kind of giving an example. Uh, 
I stopped counting at 50 of these in, in public housing right here. So if you can imagine this times 50, that's just one neighborhood. And I'll let the car go by. Okay. It's just one neighborhood. And I drove through and I stopped counting at 250 cars that um, if they were insured and try to get an insurance claim, they would hold. Uh, this is a uh, this is a town that's isolated. So a car is is like having a member of the family. You know, you've got I think 15 minutes is the closest grocery store away. It's 30 minutes round trip in a car. Um, so what, what are your needs right now? We need folks to come help us do these assessments. Uh, we need folks to help us verify the stuff we're having on our map. Um, we need skilled folks to do tarps. Um, we've probably got another 200 homes to tarp, if not more. Uh, they're doing what they can, um, but uh, we need all hands on deck. We need folks to look at this as if a tornado went through the middle of this town, and that's the frustrating thing about this particular disaster. I think this storm is a harbinger. I, I know this storm is a harbinger of future storms um, because we're talking about a storm that there's nothing like it on record or anything that anybody can find in Alabama. An entire town, uh, two and a half mi uh, square miles, uh, being affected by softball-sized hail for 15, 20 minutes, uh, if not bigger pieces of hail in a lot of the cases. So what happens, I mean, how many Camp Hills are there in Alabama? How many Camp Hills are there in the South, right? Like, that's the thing is, this is something that is going to affect uh, other people soon. And so, um, you know, this is something a lot of folks, the EMAs around the state can learn a lot about this. Uh, we need uh, a lot of the climate folks in here uh, you know, uh, studying this, uh, this, this is, this is the future. We're staring it right in the face. And, uh, this is a pretty scary prospect for a town like Camp Hill. We're going to go one of two directions and I don't want to go, uh, the one that is, uh, ends up with most of this town being uninhabitable. So, uh, being here in Camp Hill for a while, what do you see in the future for, this town. The other thing is that it could go in two different directions. The direction I hope to see is one where we have a town that comes back, uh, it's built more resiliently. We have a community that's more tight knit. We have a community that's working together, pulling in the same direction. We have a community that does not become a suburb of Auburn, Alabama, that is rapidly growing just down the road. Um, that is what I hope to see. Uh, at this point in time, uh, I'm concerned that that we're a number of these these houses are, are going to be uninhabitable. And and not only that, what concerns me more than that is I know that some of these folks don't have a, a choice in leaving, so they'll stay and they'll stay with the mold and they'll do what they can to mitigate it. Uh, they'll do what they can to try and you know, be safe within that, but we're going to see uh, sick children. Uh, we're going to see sick elderly folks. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a scary prospect. There are also a lot of historical buildings here, like this property, this this whole area that's, you know, surround us probably uh, within a hundred mile radius, a hundred feet radius. You know, it's, it's historic well, here. The, the home, if you look at like the one across the street, one of the dangers in this is these historic homes, even though they've fallen in disrepair, of course, a number of folks still live in them. They belong to their parents or their grandparents. Uh, and it's hard to insure a historic home like that, uh, especially when you're 
you know, it's the only thing of value you have and you're living in poverty otherwise, but these steep pitched roofs that you have like across the street so that people aren't getting hurt. We don't have any deaths or injuries from this. Uh, it happened at 3 a.m. Otherwise, we absolutely would have. Uh, and so we try to get skilled roofers and stuff to get on those roofs so that we can prevent this from becoming a situation where someone is hurt or killed. So we, there is another damaged vehicle on this property. Uh, I don't know. Is yeah, this uh, this uh, SUV in front of us. Oh, okay. Well, every I mean, you you every direction. If you look over there across the road, there they've got those damaged. Mm -hmm. I believe they got the glass fixed and the one back of it. People here are spending their grocery money on windows. They're spending their grocery money on rentals. Um, they're spending money they don't have on on things like that because they didn't have uh, they didn't have any, they didn't have anything but liability insurance. Uh, and so uh, let's see over here. Yeah. No, this is not the one. I think the the one that we had that was okay. It was uh, okay. Uh, it's not. Yeah, yeah the, oh. the chief. He chiefs things here, but it doesn't. Okay. Point being is you don't you don't have to go. You can stand here. You can see they got their glass replaced mm -hmm. because they've got dents all in their car. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, they were able to get some glass in it so that they can get around. There will be cars with dimples in them in this town for. 10 to 15 years, I, I feel like. You can kind of see the sunlight shining off of that flat building over there, and you can see where the, the, the softball-sized hail hit there. Um, it, it's There's holes, the old buildings and stuff. We went around here. But in Camp Hill, talking about the poverty, if you look at this house over here that's falling in, right? There are a number of homes like this. Uh, they're, they're doing a great job of getting the dilapidated buildings uh, cleaned up and taken down. Um, but they're they're still there now. This church right here across the way, uh, this is Gracefulness Baptist Church. Pastor Charlie Pulliam invited me over, and they're already getting the roof and everything in. But it knocked the entire roof of the inside down onto the pews. And since the uh, floor is concrete and slants towards the altar, there was two feet of water from all the rain that's in there. Uh, they've got a great uh, they've got a long way to go, but thankfully they're coming back. Um, and they're, they're getting what's done, what they need done. But you'll see the carpet down there by the road where they had to tear out all the carpet. I was, I was shocked when this first happened. I thought maybe they, I, they, I was thinking maybe. This they, is actually what the front of the building looks like. Yeah. You got a few pieces bent off there and trying to get some of the stuff, you know, stuff done. There. All historic. Oh, yeah. All historic. Are. Now, if you, if, if you want to know about the history of Camp Hill, uh, there are, uh, uh, there's a, a story, I think it's All God's Dangers is one novel, and then of course Hammer and Ho, which talks about the sharecroppers who attempted to uh, unionize here in the 1930s, communist sharecroppers, and then the racial violence that resulted from that, and the local sheriff uh, and a posse attacking uh, the sharecroppers, um, and, and, and sadly, you know, there were, there were uh, shootings and lynchings and uh, that's kind of a, a, a racial justice uh, history that, that has, uh, like most of it, been buried. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it has a deep history, deep history. Okay, we're gonna get ready to close out here. Um, how can, if someone wants to volunteer, they wanna donate funds or they want more information, uh, how can they, uh, how, what's, what's contact information, how they sure, can get in touch sure. with you? 
Uh, we are at 41 Heard Street in Camp Hill uh, at the Camp Hill Municipal Complex. In the basement of the building in the front, uh, you can reach me at 334-663-5472 until we get a hotline set up here. Um, and just come by 41 Heard Street, give me a call, spread the word. Uh, we need volunteers. We gotta have volunteers. I mean, I've never seen anything like this in my life. This town has been forgotten about. This is two weeks on and it's as if nothing happened. If this were a tornado, we'd have folks lined up from Alexander City to Auburn, Alabama to help these folks here. I'd like to think so, but because of the situation being what it is, even though there was a newspaper headline of this 400 affected, at least 400 affected here, we've yet to see the support that I expected. So I, I need help. We need help. The town needs help. So just call me or come by the municipal complex. And as you can see right now, it's kind of quiet here. There's hardly no one here, but uh, what you expect to happen this week? <sighs> I expect national news media coverage uh, because it's incredibly atrocious what's going on with this town that's 90% African-American. And the fact that some of the wealthiest towns in Alabama are just down the road from it. I expect uh, after that coverage, I hope that people who haven't come will open their eyes and, and help now. My, my friends, my network in Alabama and Lee County and East Alabama, you know, they've done, they've helped supply like $5,000 in tarps, buckets and things like that. There are people who are working behind the scenes to help us, but if we don't get boots on the ground, this is going to be a casualty of climate change in short order. Well, I certainly want to uh, thank you for taking the time out of your schedule to, to do this. So it's so important that we get the word out about what's going on and the seriousness of what we're dealing with here. So I really appreciate that. Um, do you have anything else to say before we close? Uh, just thank you for all the work you've done this week. Uh, you've been incredible. Uh, there were days when it was only you and I volunteer fire department and i told you how much that means to me and i want to i want to give you your roses but other people can hear too you've been a great help in this town certainly appreciate you we need about a thousand more just like you well warren it's certainly a pleasure talking with you uh i can't say you know being here for eight days has been a great experience for me i really enjoy you know, being here, really, really wish I didn't have to leave. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we certainly enjoyed having you here. Uh, but this won't be the last time that I would be here. No. Or certainly not. Of course, I would be working behind the scenes uh, remotely. But if there's something like really major, mm -hmm. you know, that's happening here, you know, I will be here. Oh, yeah. And so hopefully, we will continue to cover this as much as possible. Uh, this evening, uh, I will be on Not Necessary Political with Lonnie Malone. It's a podcast that's originally from Birmingham, Alabama. So I will be on uh, that sh uh, show. Uh, he has an extensive audience in the greater Birmingham area. So I'm looking forward to uh, being on his show this evening. And so... Uh, Hope that you would tune in. Of course, it would be uh, broadcast live on Facebook and YouTube, and it'll be available on all social media platforms and all 
major podcasting platforms. So this is Keith Williams here with uh, one of the greatest organizers in the state of Alabama, Warren Tidwell. Thank you. Thank you so much. And we'll see you next time. Thank you.